एवरीवन सो हेयर इज आई रिमेंबर यू बाय जर्षा शुगर धोतिर पार्ट वन चैप्टर थर्टी टू आई होप यू आर गोइंग टू लाइक इट सो लेट्स गेट स्टार्टेड एंड आफ्टर इट वी हैव ओनली वन चैप्टर लेफ्ट देन दिस बुक विल बी कंप्लीट एंड आई विल स्टार्ट अ न्यू बुक फॉर ऑल ऑफ यू आई होप यू एंजॉय दिस बुक चैप्टर थर्टी टू इट वॉज एज ए फ्रेयर वर फाइनली फ्री फ्रॉम अ डर्ग इंड्यूस्ड हेज ही लुकड अराउंड हिज होम which he had done nothing to brighten up the entire time that he had lived in Istafondesur the outlines of everything had become sharper and now for the first time the mismatched fittings got on his nerves he clutched a photo of his son to his chest as if he did not want benny to see how his father lived now he felt a certain consolation in holding his child so closely even though the photograph in the frame was only ink on paper a two dimensional image of one moment in his far too short life freer squeezed his eyes shut again and wished that the next few days and weeks would show him some mercy and pass by in a flash now when it seemed his sincere wish that benny's earthly remains be found was going to be fulfilled he realized that despite all his attempts to be guided by logic he had always held on to the faint hope that benny was still alive the hope was now gone he was scared to tell sara the news and so had not even tried to call her she would not answer him anyway and he felt it would be useless to hit her with something that had not even been positively confirmed which it would be shortly drink this dagny had come into the room with a glass half full half full of golden liquid i found a bottle of whiskey in the kitchen i hope you don't mind that i opened it freya relaxed his grip on the photo frame and took the glass he had brought the bottle with him from rekajwik a parting gift from colleagues of his who did not know he was not much of a whiskey fan the strong liquid stung his throat thanks he took another biggest he took another bigger sip that went down more easily is there any news dagny sat down in a chair facing him This is the car I had the old case files looked over and the driver bought himself something to eat at this petrol station it was the last charge on his credit card before he used it again in Istafondesur the receipt was even in the glove compartment when we went through the car the date and time fitted with the recording from the security camera prayer noted numbly he took another sip of whiskey hoping that he would not start feeling it effects until later no one knows what happened to him no he disappeared around the same time as your son 3 years ago dagny leaned back but still seemed just as anxious after we were informed about a car that had been parked for more than 2 weeks at the harbor here in istafondesur we made inquiries about the owner and subsequently initiated a search he owned a house in history and had gone over there along with the supplies he needed to renovate it which were in his trailer the skipper of the boat that took him over said the man was meant to call when he wanted to be picked up but he had not done so yet he was not worried about it but from his description of the provisions that the man had taken with him we thought it best to go over to history and check on his situation it was ottoman 
it was ottoman and growing colder so we had every reason to worry about him as it turned out he was never found what could have happened to him it is not a big place is it freya refrained from asking what he longed to know most it would take him a few more drinks to work up the nerve to do it we don't know even though history is a small abundant village there are west areas all around it where he could have got lost he probably went for a hike or set of thinking he could walk to town his phone was found there dead of course you never know the battery could have drained after it disappeared but it could be that his phone had not worked when he had needed it to and he thought his only choice was to try to walk back that seems likely prayer took another sip of whiskey then threw then threw his head back and donned the rest yes and no there were at least two days worth of provisions in the house he could hardly have started panicking before he left it dagny pressed her lips together are you tipsy enough to tell me how you got the information on your son's whereabouts Rear wanted to smile at her but could not. The muscles in his face refused to obey. No, I promised not to tell and I cannot betray that. He did not need to refer to her job. It would be impossible to expect her not to disclose the information when it came to writing a report on the conclusion of the case. He wanted to maintain confidentiality between himself and the boy whose only mistake had been being young and reading the situation wrongly. He had probably felt bad enough for deciding not to say anything. Of course, it might turn out that when and if the discovery of Benny's remains made it into the press, the boy would tell his parents, but he would have to decide that for himself, not Freer. He himself was not certain if he could tell Sarah the whole story, so she was entitled to hear it. There was a risk that she might view the matter differently to Freer and consider the boy responsible for Benny's death, which would be unfair but at the same time very tempting. There was no way of knowing how she would react to the shock. Freer put the glass on the table and leaned his head back. How long had it taken Benny to die? An hour? Two? Three? He did not want to know the answer, yet the question burned inside him. It was completely pointless, as it would never be answered. He might just as well wonder what might have happened if this and that had been different. What if the boy who had gone with Benny down to the petrol station in search of a hiding place had not suddenly remembered that he was late for his cousin's birthday party and gone home? What if the boy had stopped to talk to some of the other kids and let them know that Benny was planning to hide in the green container that they thought looked like a submarine which was sitting on a trailer at the petrol station? What if he had actually known what a septic tank was and had said that instead of submarine? And then what if the driver had not detached the trailer from the car to check for possible damage to the coupling? When Benny found would be, would Benny have found himself a different hiding place realizing that the trailer might be leaving soon? But none of this had happened. It was a series of coincidences. What if the kids had not grown tired of their hiding places in the safe parts in the neighborhood and decided to expand the hiding area all the way to the petrol station? 
and what if they had decided to tell the police or their parents about it what then would death have claimed benny in some other way and if so how freer tried turning his mind to something else he had so many questions but it was difficult over and above all this speculation and regret he was plagued by images of the final moments in benny's life there was no room for any doubt as the moment the car had driven off it had been too late the only thing that could have happened differently was that sara might have learned the truth about benny's fate earlier if hamir had told anyone what had actually happened it would still have been too late to save benny's life since the boy did not hear of his friend's disappearance until the next day when he heard from the policeman who came to his house that they were searching for benny he had tried to tell them but the man looked so stern and disbelieving that he had second thoughts he had misread the situation and thought he might get into trouble for planning to hide with benny in the petrol station the children were strictly forbidden from crossing the street that lay between the neighborhood and the garage when the policeman's faces turned serious at what he said his child's mind had been quick to tell him that benny had probably left his hiding place before he vanished and he had changed his story freer told himself there was no point going freer told himself there was no point go- going over this endlessly it was clear that benny would already have been dead by the time the other boy finally heard the news had he been conscious he would have made his presence known when the septic tank was taken off the trailer and put on the boat that brought it over to his tree he had probably had a diabetic seizure when he realized his situation as the car drove off his panicked state calling for insulin that his weakened bodily functions were unable to supply and after that there had been no hope why he had not made his presence know when the trailer was hooked back up to the car was a question that would never be answered maybe he had considered it but feared a tongue lashing from the trailer's owner but really if there were anyone to blame it was freer himself if he had not gone to meet leaf he would not have hit the other car and then the trailer would not have been there when benny and the boy turned up then benny would have hidden behind something fixed been found and life would have continued as it was supposed to i am such an idiot dagny he did not explain this and she did not press him i think we should get going if you are sure you want to come along her tone was embarrassed as if she worried that their conversation would take a personal turn he did not blame her i found a skipper who is willing to take us over Vegar is coming too. I am not on duty, so it is better for him to be there. But the sea is rough, so if you suffer from seasickness, I would advise you to think twice about it. Freer looked at her. He had not the slightest idea whether he suffered from seasickness since he had rarely ever been to sea. Nor did it matter. He was prepared to put his guts out to get to his tree. I am coming with you. His voice contained all the conviction that was lacking in his soul. 
The torch was of little use against the dark, but from the boat's deck Freer could see the outlines of houses on the low ground between the beach and the mountains whose upper ridges could not be distinguished from the heavily clouded night sky. I tried to warn them. The captain pulled tightly on the rope with which he had tied the boat fast to the pier. The sea was choppy and it was best to make sure that the boat would definitely still be there when they turned back. I did not want to scare the life out of them, so I did not go into too much detail, but I can tell you that this house does not have a great reputation. You can see over the facade from there and probably a lot of people have died looking across at it, the last thing they ever saw in this life. It must have had some effect. There is nothing like the desperation of a drowning man. Maybe it is contagious. Beggars noted. We will look in on them. It is their house we are heading up to. Their phones are off and they have not called, you say. No, but I did not expect them to. We had already agreed that I would come and fetch them tomorrow evening. I am hoping they will be ready to leave right now, so I don't have to make the trip tomorrow. The forecast is pretty bad, so they could be stuck here for another day or two. It is not strange that they have turned off their phones. I asked them to save the batteries in case anything came up. They probably took me at my word. Freer turned off his torch to conserve the power. The house looks empty. It is as, it is as dark as the others. The skipper showed him a patronizing look. He did not need torchlight to see how little the man thought of him. Freer had sat there pale and silent the entire trip, though it had had nothing to do with seasickness. He had concentrated on listening to his travel companions, chatting back and forth, sometimes lowering their voices to say things he did not manage to grasp. In this way, he had managed to keep his head together, not fall apart at the thought of what lay ahead. He prayed to the God in whom he did not believe that the septic tank would still be disconnected, that the man had gone missing before he had got it in working order, and that the three people from Rikajwik, who were here for the same purpose, had started on some other project than getting it set up. His child deserved much better. He felt nauseous, but not from seasickness. There is no electricity here, Matt. They are probably there, even though the house is not as lit up as the houses down south. I understand. Freer was happy that the man seemed to have no idea who he was or what he was doing there. This ensured that the way he acted towards Freer was motivated by something other than pity, which was fine by him. It meant less risk of him breaking down. They stepped onto the pyre and went ashore. The pyre creaked loudly beneath their feet, but only silence and stillness awaited them at the top of the beach. Houses that had once been surrounded by vibrant love, by vibrant life, now either stood empty or had been converted into summer cottages. Freer felt as if the buildings were gazing hopefully at them, wondering if the residents had finally returned. He half expected to hear a soft sigh, soft shy, when the houses realized they had not. But of course no such thing happened. There was only the silence and it was so oddly heavy that none of them wanted to break it. So saying nothing, they simply set off. 
for everyone but freya the walk was nothing more than a necessary part of getting to the house to him every step was an important stage in an inevitable reckoning reckoning with the tragedy he had caused for those he loved most maybe the alcohol was finally starting to have an effect or as depression was beginning to grip him but freer felt as if he could hear a whispering in the dead vegetation that bordered the path leading from the pyre their torch beams cast peculiar shadows making it look as if something were moving on both sides the cones of light swung irregularly to and fro making it difficult for them to focus their eyes on anything in one place freer thought he heard footsteps a few meter away as if someone were walking behind the path as if someone were walking beside the path a silent escort who did not want to be seen he stopped and swung his torch round pointing it left and right and then at the high uncultivated ground but saw nothing he also tried to shine the light into the wall of vegetation surrounding the path but saw nothing except darkness between the yellowed stalks what dagny had turned and walked back to him as he stood and stared at the light i thought i heard someone but i cannot see anything he straightened up probably just a fox there are lots of them here she looked at him as if searching for signs that he had lost his mind you can wait here or down at the pyre i will come and get you when we know whether your theory is right it is not necessary for you to be with us the whole time and probably not wise no no i am fine don't worry prayer tried to appear confident of course he should wait and let them call for him when everything was finished but he could not he wanted to witness with his own eyes every step that revealed the whereabouts of his son rather than sit alone in the darkness waiting for whatever might come okay then dagny did not sound convinced you go in front i don't want you lagging behind and getting lost we have enough to worry about as it is freya raised no objection to this since it was simpler and would speed up the process nor could he deny that he had been at the point of pushing the vegetation aside to see what lay beyond it when dagny had interrupted him as they trudged onwards in the cold he was careful not to look over his shoulder or aim the torch anywhere but stayed ahead so that dagny would not realize that he still felt as if something were following them he desperately longed to turn around and ask whether she could hear whispering or a crackling in the brush but was afraid she would send him straight back down to the boat so he bi- so he bit his lip and pushed back the desire to flee despite his body shouting at him to stay alert and run away from this strange threat when they had crossed a little stream and come to the house their destination freya realized that he was drenched with sweat he was drenched with sweat despite the still cold air it is like a graveyard vigar immediately regretted his choice of words and tried to make up from them i cannot hear a thing not even snoring dagny frowned and her expression seemed exaggerated in the light from the torch Are you sure this is the right house? She turned to the captain. Yes, definitely. They brought all this stuff with them on the boat. He pointed at a stack of timber and something unrecognizable under a sailcloth. Should not we just knock? 
They stood silently side by side staring at the house. No one responded to the skipper's suggestion, though it was a sensible one. Freer took this to mean that he was not the only one to feel something odd was going on. The sounds had disappeared as they stepped off the path, but that did not change the fact that there was still something unpleasant in the air. Even the house which was in every way a charming old-fashioned Icelandic wooden house seemed oppressive to him as it stood as it stood there silently daring them to knock on the door the torch beams managed to illuminate only a portion of the gable facing them and the long wall which should have been visible receded into the darkness it was Dagny who cut to the chase Vigar, come with me. You two wait here while we go and see whether these people are all right. Suits me, the captain gave Freya a hearty clap on the shoulder. He did not seem to mind having to wait outside. We will just wait quietly out here, hmm? Freya staggered a little. The old man had not spared his strength, perhaps unintentionally. Freya had, Freya had no business in the house. The septic tank was outdoors and maybe already down in the ground. He might even be standing on it. The thought caused the thought caused him to take two instinctive steps sideways. But when he aimed the dull beam of his torch at the ground, there was nothing to see but a thin layer of snow. He wondered whether he should walk around the house, but could not bring himself to do it. It would be better if Dagny and Vigar were there. A loud knocking broke the silence and hung in the air. Is anyone home? Vegar's voice resounded and Freer thought it impossible that anyone could sleep through such noise. The knocking began again and Vegar called out, This is the police, we are coming in. The screech of the doorknob was piercing, but it was not followed by a creak suggesting the door was being opened. Dagny and Vigar then came round the corner and said they were going to check whether the back door was unlocked, otherwise they would have to break in. Freer and the skipper followed them automatically, keeping far enough back to give no impression of wanting to go in with them, but close enough to see what was happening. Dagny and Vega stepped up onto an old porch that was in a rather sad state of repair and went straight off to work, knocking hard on the door and calling out to those who were supposed to be inside. Of course, they might be down at the doctor's house. The captain shouted to Vega just as the old stocky police officer was about to throw himself against the door shoulder first. I remember now that I let them have the keys so they could move there if they encountered any inconvenience. Vegar and Dagny turned to them. Their faces were not visible, but it was clear they were less than happy with the skipper. Was there any light there or smoke coming from the chimney? Mm, no. The old man took one step closer to Freer as if to enlist him as a teammate. Alright then, if they are not here, we will go and check that house. They both turned back to the door and Vigar threw himself against the tired old wood. It gave a loud crack but did not budge. He tried again and at the third attempt, the door flew open. Oh Christ, Dagny and Vigar turned aside and a second later, the stench reached Freer and the skipper, forcing them to cover their noses and mouths. That's fucking disgusting. 
beggars spat on the porch and Freer was tempted to do the same. The stench was unlike anything he had ever smelled and he had encountered some rank odors in medical school. This one most resembled the smell that he remembered from forensic medicine when they had opened the belly of a man who had drowned and been found after several days in the sea, a salty rotten sink, a salty rotten stink. Something shot out through the door and they all gasped. What the hell was that? The captain now stood so close to Freer that Freer had to step slightly aside to avoid losing his balance. They waved their torches, searching, slant, searching silently for an explanation. Finally, they saw a small creature trembling near Freer, a little dog that had certainly seen better days. Its coat appeared sticky and had formed clumps in several places on its crony body. I had forgotten him. They brought this dog with them. The skipper held one hand to his chest, scared the shit out of me. Is there anything else you have forgotten to tell us? Dagny walked angrily past them to the dog. It would be great if you if it would be great if you would share it with us before we go in. She bent down to the little animal, which initially took a few steps back, but then went to her and allowed her to pick it up. God, he is shaking, poor thing. Do you remember his name? Hurty, putty, or something like that. The captain stared at the dog, not particularly kindly. What a rushed, what a rushed little scrap, called that a dog. Dagny did not answer him, but handed the dog to Freer. Keep your eye on him. I'm not planning to chase him around all over the place before we can go back. Freer took the dog, which looked into his eyes as if to check whether he was trustworthy. Its little body felt like no more than skin and bones, and it would probably be easy to forget he was holding it at all if it were not for the trembling that shook it from limb to limb. Freer used his Freer used his free hand to stroke the poor thing's head, unafraid that it would bite. It really did not matter to him and it might even make Freer feel better. But the dog gave no indication of wanting to bite him and instead shut its eyes and relaxed slightly. Then it turns its head towards the house and growled softly, recovering its courage in the security of Freer's embrace. As his as he adjusted the creature in his arms, he noticed that his hand was stained with something after touching the dog. He could not see clearly what it was, but when he smelled his hand, he realized it was blood. Instinctively, he held the dog away from his body, then called to Dagny and Vigar. The dog is covered in blood. They turned to look, but he is not injured, so it, so it must be from someone else. They nodded their faces grave and turned back to the house. What? The captain shone his torch on the dog and stepped back when he saw what Freer was talking about. What the fuck? This does not look good. He turned toward the house. I am glad I don't have to go in there. They watched Vigar and Dagny cover their noses and mouths in the crooks of their arms and walk in. Freer and the old man said nothing, but through the curtainless windows, they watched the torch lights move through the house. The lights stopped suddenly and moved up and down and back and forth in the same place. 
A few moments later, one of the beams set off in the direction it had come from and Dagny appeared at the door calling for Freer. Can you come inside? We have found a woman. She seems to be injured. I think you would better look at her before we move her. Freer handed the dog to the skipper, who was less than happy about taking the filthy creature and being left alone outside, but Dagny forbade him to move and the seriousness in her voice made the men obey. In their haste, Dagny and Freer neglected to defend themselves against the stench that made them like an invisible curtain in the doorway, but they forgot about it as soon as they were in. The little that Freer could see of the house interior appeared to be much as he had expected, everything rather old and battered, though in several places the owner's attempts to renovate the place were visible, and even the dull light could not hide even the dull light could not hide how badly they had done. She's here, Tagni made way for Freer to enter the kitchen. Watch out for the hole in the floor back there. You don't want to fall down it. The smell seems to the smell seems to be coming from there. Baker was hunched over a person lying face down on the floor. Her head in a dark pool that Freer hoped was not blood, but suspected almost certainly was. That could explain the state of the dog. Freer searched the woman for signs of life. He ran his hands down the back of her neck. It was uninjured. He asked Wagger to pass him a knife and used it to cut away the woman's clothing. With her pale back exposed, he examined the remainder of her spine, which appeared undamaged and could not find any other injuries. Her breathing was irregular and rattly. Help me turn her over carefully. Vegar hurriedly obeyed and together they turned the victim onto her back. Vegar started in surprise when he saw her injuries. Bloody red crosses had been cut into her face and she could count herself lucky that she had not lost her eyes. The cuts had come so close to them. Freya reached for Vegar's torch and aimed the beam to get a better view. It took all his powers not to let the woman's head fall back to the floor. Freer could have sworn that he heard low, nasty, childish laughter coming from the hole in the floor behind him, but he was too flabbergasted even to be fronted. It was the leaf or what was left of her. Thank you for joining me. I hope you like it.